0: Welcome, Mama. You've got your hands full, I know. As a mama for myself, I can relate to the exhausting days of motherhood with wiping messy faces, correcting attitudes, and picking up those countless piles of laundry. But I have found that if we search deeply and open our hearts, we can experience motherhood in a whole new light. By applying biblical principles, we can have joy, we can have peace, and we can have purpose in motherhood. Join me weekly for a little spiritual water for your weary soul. Hello, welcome to week two of the Purpose of Motherhood podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Ashley Caston, and today we're going to talk about raising repentant hearts, those hearts that are um, just ready to say sorry and that are softened and looking for reconciliation. That would be a beautiful thing to have all hearts like that, wouldn't it? That would It would solve so many problems in the world if we just were ready to, um, you know, get that reconciliation and to repent. So I want to start us off with a verse today, and that's um, 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness i think sometimes we take this for granted don't we this forgiveness of sins that's um you know from jesus's sacrifice on the cross for us it's such a beautiful beautiful thing and i cannot even imagine having to live in condemnation and guilt from you know past things it's such a beautiful um just a picture of God's love for us, really. So, um, talking about repentant hearts, I cannot talk about that without thinking about our my husband and I's first year of marriage. So, uh, looking back now, it's all very comical, though it wasn't going through it. But we got married. We were let's see, I was twenty three, he was twenty four, and I mean, you know, we were <laughs> we were very immature in our faith we I mean I had been raised in the church he got saved when he was in high school but coming together in marriage I mean just it really just escalated so many inner things that we had going on within our hearts so so many um just inner issues things that we had hadn't dealt with whether it had been hurts or um you know unforgiveness all the stuff that you collect throughout the years unnecessarily All of a sudden, getting into marriage highlighted all these areas and almost made them explosive to where now all of a sudden you've got two people that are supposed to be in love and it's supposed to be this perfect first year of marriage where, you know, you're newlyweds and everything's great. And it wasn't. We found ourselves fighting almost daily. And when I say fighting, I mean fighting, not disagreeing. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but fighting with each other. So, um, you know, just name calling, yelling, whatever it was. And it was very, very tumultuous. It was just a a really, really hard time in our marriage. And we both had to be broken. We had to get to the literal place of being broken in order for God to be able to come in to our hardened hearts and soften those places and teach us what it means to serve one another and to um, think of the other person before yourself and to chase after reconciliation and to be open to repentance, so I can remember several times being in, I mean, arguments where I would, I was never, I i said to myself, I will not apologize, <laughs> like, oh, oh, no, he's the one that did wrong, I will not apologize, I will, you know, I'll be the one to throw socks at your head before I apologize, <laughs> that is a true story, one time I threw socks at his head, I'm not proud of it, but you know, at least it wasn't a frying pan, um, so anyway, so in that first year of marriage, we got, finally got to the place where we did, and it was a very painful process. It was a very painful first year, but we got to the place where we God allowed us to be broken so that he could then rebuild us and that he could then teach us what it means to be a husband, to be a wife, and to serve one another. So it was in that year that I learned that striving to be the first to apologize really is the key to reconciliation. And when I say apologize, I don't mean just words that come out of your mouth because it's anybody can do that. And in fact, a lot of us do. We kind of give that spiteful, you know, oh, I'm sorry, like, let's just get over. It. I don't feel like talking about it anymore. I know I, uh, that was a tendency or I had a tendency towards that. I mean, I still do, if I'm being honest, I just use self-control now, but I don't like to be in, um, you know, disagreements. I don't like to be in a state where there's unrest or uneasiness or conflict. And so it is my tendency to want to just end it as quickly as I can. And well, I know that if I just give an, I'm sorry, you know, that it'll be over just like that, but that doesn't make it right. So that's not the apology I'm talking about. I'm talking about an apology from the heart where you have allowed the Holy Spirit to search your heart and to reveal all of your short shortcomings. So for the, for the Holy Spirit to come in and shine light on those areas and to say, hey, you know what? You're wrong here. You're prideful here. You've got unforgiveness here. You, um, you know, look at the way you acted out in anger. Look at the way you raised your voice. So... When he comes and he puts his light on those areas, it's then that we are able to truly apologize and to come to that reconciliation because it's coming from a place of brokenness and, um, you know, coming with a, a clear conscience. Getting close to the Father will always bring you closer to your spouse, your friend, your sister, whoever it is that you're having a disagreement with because when you do this, when you go to the Father, in the middle of these situations, he gives you vision for the relationship, the problem, the the things in your heart, the things in their heart. When you get his vision for it, everything changes because you're no longer clouded by your own feelings, by your own agenda, um, you know, your own hurts, and the things that really just um, the things that determine how we are going to react in that situation. You know, if we're dealing with a lot of anger, well then we're going to react in a very unhealthy way. So when you let him give you his vision, it changes everything in that disagreement. So when we are teaching, let's translate this now to our kids. So if we want to raise repentant hearts, what does that look like? There is a verse, Second um, Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, perish, but that all should reach repentance. So that's really his goal for us. His whole goal for us is that we would not perish, that we would perish in our own unforgiveness, harboring that in our hearts, but that we would repent towards Him and also towards each other. That's a great, that's a fantastic verse to teach your kids, to have them memorize and hide in their hearts. Because every time this comes up, you can say, well, what is the Lord's will for you? And when we accept that as truth, we realize that really by refusing to apologize, it's an act of pride. It's saying that I really don't need forgiveness in this area. I really don't, there's nothing that I have done wrong I'm standing here with no no issues with anything that I said, anything that I did. I shouldn't be the one to um, you know, serve the other in apologizing and trying to heal their hurt. So it's really a very, very prideful act. So when we teach our kids how to have that repentant heart, I think the biggest thing that we can do is to lead by example. Now, this is going to be a little um, maybe even controversial for some of you because we are, we have um, again and again we hear don't fight in front of your kids, don't fight in front of your kids, which I completely agree with. But I would say to that, fighting, absolutely not okay, but it is okay and even healthy to disagree in front of your children. So it is not healthy, let me be clear, it is not healthy to yell, name call, belittle or stonewall or disrespect, um, put the other person down. That is never okay in front of your children or not in front of your children in private. Either way, that's not okay. And so if that's the kind of conflicts that are happening in your home, well, then that needs dealt with. The root of that needs dealt with. Um, Whether that means um, getting into some good marriage series or going to a counselor or whatever it needs, whatever you need to do to get to that place where you are able to have disagreements and not um, fights because a fight is one person against the other person just basically throwing bombs right like you're just throwing grenades to the other side whereas a disagreement is two conflicting opinions and you're working to make a resolution so a disagreement is actually healthy to have in front of your in front of your children and here's why because number one, it shows them that marriage is not perfect because it's made up of two imperfect people. So instead of sending your kids you know, into their own marriages one day with this idea of like, oh, my mom and dad never, I never saw them disagree. They never, they just agreed on everything and everything was just happy, which is kind of this unrealistic expectation. Because really, if that's happening, if you are never having a disagreement on everything, either you have married yourself <laughs> or, or maybe there's not communication there. Now, if there's not fights, like, that's a great thing. Like, we, none of us should be fighting like that. And again, I'm talking about throwing those grenades. And so I don't mean that the, our children need to be seeing that, but it's healthy for them to just see that, hey, you're not going to agree with everyone all the time, and that's okay. But what's not okay is to stay in that place or to let it turn into – um you know, unforgiveness or resentment against that person. So what my husband and I do is that we will continue if we're having like one of these discussions where we are, you know, disagreeing. And by the way, if it ever does get to the point, my husband and I have a code word and it's called red flag. And if it ever does get to the point where we are, it's coming, going from a disagreement into now it's starting into a fight, we stop it right then and there because that's not fair to anyone. It's not productive. Um, and we don't want to have those kind of conversations in front of our kids. And we don't want that for each other. Cause at that point, you're not trying to find unity. You're just trying to prove your point. And so if it ever does, which it's rare now that it does, because we have worked on this so hard and we learned so much just, um, through our marriage and teaching others and, um, you know, leading marriage life groups and all that, we've learned so many great strategies and um, things that's helped with that. But anyway, so what we'll do is we'll continue these conversations in front of them and then we show them what it means to repent at the end. So if we, let's say that we're talking about, I'm going to give you something really silly right now, which is probably, you know, these are just real marriage things where you're like, you were supposed to be home at three o'clock. How come you didn't come home at three o'clock? You were supposed to be here then. And you know, while I was busy, I was doing this. So let's say it's a conversation like that. Then at the end, again, no one was put down the whole time. There was no raising voices. It's just, we're just discussing. So we make sure at the end then to say, well, you know, I'm sorry that I got frustrated that you weren't home at three o'clock. I really should have been giving you more grace for that. And then he would come back and say, you know, I'm sorry that, I didn't respect that you had asked me to be home at three, you know, and that I spent more time hunting in the woods or whatever it was. Um, and then we always hug at the end and say, I love you. I forgive you. And then we just move right on. And so they've seen this over and over again. I mean, I say over and over again, but this is not like continual in our house, but they've seen it um, throughout the years where this is how mom and dad communicate with each other. This is when they disagree on something. This is what they do. This is how they seek repentance at the end of it. Um, So it's this healthy example of conflict where it's, hey, this is something you can apply with your sister. You can apply with your friend um, in any area that you have conflict. So as they watch this, they're really learning how to communicate and it's showing them that by drawing near to God's heart and repentance and forgiveness, that that is how you keep unity. We also like to talk about repentance in our house. We like to keep that as an ongoing just conversation, as well as other kingdom things. It's really important to make your home a place where communication is king, where, I mean, you're talking about kingdom issues all the time. So when I say kingdom issues, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, right? So we're talking about um, like things that glorify God and big uh, eternal issues. So what you're talking about the Gospel, talking about virtues and talking about character values, talking about what Jesus said us, what He called us to do what 's our um, what is life about here on earth what 's this all about? We talk about those things continually in our home so that they become deeply rooted in their hearts instead of just waiting until something arises and then we say hey what 's that scripture verse we 're already talking about it beforehand, so it 's getting planted in their hearts. so when you talk about repentance when you um, maybe even giving them an, an example. I love to kind of let my kids live live my faith out loud, I guess is the best way to say it. Like let them in that um, private faith life that I have. I love to let them see that. So by doing that, what I mean by that is that, um, you know, I'm telling them, hey, this is what mommy's praying for. Hey, this is what God showed mommy this morning in my prayer time. Hey, I've got this situation going on with, um, a friend of mine, and tell me what do you think, mommy should do? What does the word say about this? And kind of letting them in that, so it's not this private faith life that they never see, but they're actually watching it through you. So you can do the same thing with repentance, like letting them know a time that you had to forgive somebody and it was really hard, or you know, with your spouse or with you know a coworker, whatever the situation is. But make that a constant topic in your home to where you are continually um, showing them why repentance is important what it looks like that yes it's hard but here's the fruit from it and then the last thing that I want to talk about is just coaching your children through it coaching them through repentance it'll look different at every age and honestly it is never ever too early to start even with babies we underestimate how much babies truly understand? They soak up so much. I mean, they learn communication in that first year. They are soaking up words and um, facial expressions, learning when someone's happy, learning when some, someone's sad. And so, why not talk to your babies about this kind of stuff? I mean, I don't mean you have to sit there and have, a, you know, a theological conversation with them, but even teaching them the words "I'm sorry" and you know "I forgive you" or Um, Jesus forgives us, just starting to say those things like, oh, mommy, sorry, do you forgive me? Having those little tiny little, you know, conversations with your babies, I mean, we talk to them about other kinds of nonsense, right? We sit there and say, oh, you're so cute, and look at your little feet, and here's your nose, so why not start giving them that vocabulary too? And then with toddlers, that's really a lot of modeling and a lot of guiding, so it's actually giving them the words, you know. Can you say sorry to your sister? Say, I'm sorry that I, you know, threw that toy at you. And, you know, then doing the same thing for sister. A lot of times you need to say, I love you and I forgive you. Um, But giving them the words to say and guiding them through it and modeling it for them saying, okay, look, do you see how mommy says, I'm sorry? Do you see how, you know, she says, I forgive you back to me. And giving them those little seeds, planting those little seeds inside their hearts I'm telling them, you know, Jesus forgives your sins. Jesus loves you. And he wants you to have a clean heart. Don't underestimate the, um, the, the ability they have to grasp that knowledge at a young age. Start giving them to that vocabulary and start teaching them those verses to hold in their heart. And then, of course, as you go to elementary and above, you can start having deeper conversations. You can um, get more into scripture and keep pointing them towards the cross, that's when they really can start grasping the big picture of Jesus dying on the cross. What does that really mean, dying on the cross? What did that look like? How did that feel? And he did that for you and for your sins. And so um, what does that mean for us when we ask for forgiveness? Does he hang on to our sins, or does he forgive right away? So you can, they can start taking it on for their own selves at that point to where you're not having to give them the words, you know, but you're just guiding them, pointing them back to the words across and say, what, is, what does Jesus want you to do in this situation? I'm going to close this out with another verse in Hebrews. And this says in Hebrews 10, it says, let us draw near with a true heart and fullest assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure, with pure water and then it goes on in verse 26 to say for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth there is no longer there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries that is a great one for the older um kids to know why it is important why do we want that heart sprinkled clean from that evil conscience and what does that mean to be washed with pure water um because ultimately they need to know that we we desire to live with him forever we desire we desire to stand with a pure conscience before him and to enter the gates of heaven and that's really the long term that's that's the long term goal here on earth right is to to get there and get there with as many others as we can and so giving them that big picture of that is just i mean really a beautiful gift for them Well, I would love to pray for you now as we close. Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for who you are. Thank you that you forgive us, God. You forgive us quickly. Anytime that we come to you, we repent. God, you wash our sins away and you forget them and never bring them up again. Thank you that we don't live under condemnation. Help us to have hearts that are quick to repent so that we can set that example for our children. And as we do, God, I pray that those seeds would be just take deep root in our children's hearts and that they would live lives where they have soft hearts that are quick to repent and quick to forgive. Thank you, Lord, for all you are. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.